kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves, well then, She Makes Waves is for you. Hey guys, I know we're all back in the salon and we're trying to figure out the way we're going to work moving forward. And I know we had big aspirations and big dreams about how we were going to show up in the salon. And some of us have gotten back into the salon and have fallen quickly back into routines and habits that are not serving the lives that we ultimately want. So I'm really excited. I have space for three more stylists to do one-on-one coaching with you to help you take your career and business from where it is today to where you want it to go. And I know it's hard. I know that, you know, we get back into it and we can kind of almost numb ourselves out or distract ourselves and tell ourselves we were making enough money or, you know, the security's there. But at the end of the day, we don't have to choose one. We can we can have both. We can have a really fulfilling life and a really profitable business. And I think we get sold this lot that we have to pick one or the other. So head over to my website, wavemaking.com and fill out my get in touch form and I'd love to connect with you. Okay, so today we have an awesome guest on the show, Nina Tulio, who is a salon education consultant. She is the business education ambassador for Oligo Pro, a former salon owner and a stylist for 24 years. She has been helping hairstylists build their businesses with confidence. I've done one-on-one coaching with her. I listen to her podcast. She's someone that I really admire, and I had even scheduled to have her on the podcast, and everything happened with COVID, and I said, Nina, I want to put this off because I want to have you on, and I want to be focused, and you have so much knowledge, and right now I'm cloudy. So we've rescheduled, and Nina, thank you so much. Of course. I am so excited to be here. You know, I love you. And I think, you know, just your vibe, your energy, everything that you put off and that you share, I'm, I just love everything about you and everything that you talk about. So thank you so much for having me on as a guest today. Yes. And I just, I love so much about what you've been doing and like the work you do is that you kind of hit it from all sides. You've, you've been the salon or you've been the stylist and you've done all these different things. And I feel like you kind of, strike me as someone I'm drawn to because you're willing to talk about things that have like not gone right or how you even arrive at being a full-time education person is not because you haven't had all these mistakes and lessons and trials. And so I really want to dive deep with you today about that because I feel like you're someone who's really candid and I think it's going to shed some light on like how you arrive at these really cool destinations is not necessarily the road that people would think that you've taken. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important for people to live in their truth and be super vulnerable. It's not easy for everyone. Uh, I think when, you know, you hit a certain point in your life and you have a different perspective, but you also have the confidence within yourself, uh, you can start to share some of the discoveries or mistakes or flaws or failures. And I believe that in those moments is where the actual magic happens. You know, it tests you beyond anything that you can imagine. And that's where greatness happens. So yeah, I'm ready. I I love talking about this stuff. And I think it's important for us to, for everyone to really realize that, you know, we have to hit bottom sometimes to make it to the top. So I think, yeah, I love this. I love that we're going to talk about this today. Yeah. And like, there was a post that you had that I was like super drawn to. And I was thinking about like, what do I want to talk about today? And I was like, there's this post, I got to find it because you just so candidly said like going broke changed my life. And I, I, I feel like that's so powerful. And, you know, every change I've made in my life has come out of something really that's devastated me. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a partnership ending, like re, you know, like getting a new marriage, like it's all these things, like they don't happen because things were awesome. And do you mind talking a little bit about what that what that statement that you said means to you and what really backs it up? Sure. So, you know, I think in our industry, uh, people, some people are not comfortable talking about money. And I think it's really important for us to talk about money, especially now more than ever, whether it's saving or, you know, saving for your future, saving a little, you know, nest egg. So when things happen, like what's going on in our world today, you have cushion. Uh, And, you know, I 
it all stems from the relationship that you have with money. And I didn't have a great relationship with money. And I learned this a little bit later on, maybe in my twenties, uh, that because I grew up in a family that didn't have money, you know, my dad, we're old school, traditional Italian. So my dad worked, my mom stayed at home and took care of the kids. She stayed home till I was probably about, I'm going to say maybe six or so. Uh, but I have brothers that are, you know, 13, 14 years older than me. So her whole life, she stayed home. We didn't have uh, money in the sense where we were comfortable. And so I think, and then, you know, went through some really tough times with my dad too, and, and the relationship or the lack thereof, the relationship that I had with my dad that was really eye-opening for me when I was about 16. And I decided in that moment that, you know, he was broke and he was laid off from his job and he asked me for money. And I was 16. And I decided at that moment that I would never be like him. And I would do whatever I had to do to make sure that I wouldn't end up in that spot where I had to ask, you know, whether it be my children or, you know, a family member for money. Like it was just, and not that there's anything wrong with that. We all go through tough times. Listen, I've had to ask my, you know, friends for money when I had my salon. Um, but at a 16 year old looking at my father thinking, you know, he's supposed to be the support system for me and my rock and seeing him so vulnerable. I just made that decision that I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to make sure. And so because the relationship that I had with money was so skewed, and I kind of went all the way to the left with really trying, you know, not to make mistakes with money and and doing all the right things. I fell into a really bad pattern of using money and things to fill the void in my life and and bring me fulfillment and happiness. And that's why yeah. I went broke. To be honest, I mean, I I had my salon. You know, I, I worked as a I was a district manager. I was a stylist. I ran eight salons. I had fifty five employees. I was a partner in a salon. You know, in five salons in Florida, we opened up these salons. And all that time, you know, I was working and had a partnership with my mentors, which I love. You know, to this day, and I made a great living. And then I decided that I was going to leave them and go on my own. And I felt because of the relationship with my dad and my childhood and all of these things, they started to come up like when I was in my twenties. And so I made really bad choices when it came to money. And I ended up making horrible marketing decisions for my business. When I had my salon, I opened my salon in 2006 and, um, spent way too much money on marketing that did not bring me a return on my investment. I spent so much money on things and, and just material things that try, you know, I tried to fill these voids. And I found myself, and then, you know, my business wasn't doing well because I wasn't focused on the right things. I was going through some things personally and I ended up broke literally not once, but twice, you know, I, I almost closed my business in year one and then I was able to turn it around. And then I almost closed my, my business in year four. And at that time I had already accumulated $90,000 of debt and I was strapped for cash. I had literally had no money. I had a salon that, you know, I had to move into a new location in order for me to kind of stay open. This was when I borrowed $5,000 from my best guy friend. And, uh, you know, I had a few team members that I had loyalty toward and it was my job as the leader to take care of them. And I was failing them. And so I made the choice to sell my home to keep my business. And I moved into a small one-bedroom apartment, which I actually really loved. It was the same owner that owned my salon. He had a bunch of rental properties, and he let me move into one. It was really great. But uh, at that time, I thought that was my bottom. $90,000 in debt, creditors calling my business, threatening to take out my furniture. Like It was horrible, and I was in a really, really abusive relationship at the time. So I was like really bad shape. Uh, but I had to make the choice to you know, self assess and self reflect and make some really big changes. So that's kind of, that changed me, you know, noticing and kind of hitting bottom really changed me to even the person I am now. So I'm actually grateful for all of that. Uh, as I talk about it with you, honestly, it makes me a little bit emotional because I feel like, um, that was such a low, low point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, even though you work through that stuff that still lives with you. You yeah, know. it makes it makes sense to me that you've been through something like that because there's so much heart behind what you do. And I don't think people have that kind of heart behind what they do without a story of like redemption like that. Mm. Thank you. you. Know? 
Yeah. I mean, when you were talking, I was like, oh, I got to get a notebook. I have so many things I want to say. <laughs> because I was like, this is amazing. So like, I, it sounds like, was, was your, were your salons doing well? Because I tend to think that in the salon world, because we're not taught about money and a lot of people have a similar childhood of origin story that I sometimes think that we don't have a cash flow problem. We just have a bad relationship to money. So then like the people you coach or the people you work with, it's like, they've kind of created a glass ceiling almost for themselves as to what they feel they can charge and what they can do. And is that, is that, was that a part of the whole thing for you? Like the limiting beliefs around it? Sure. And you know, part of it. So, and and I, I talked about this on another podcast, which I found so interesting as I started to share it, I felt like I was two people. So I had my business, Nina, which was very confident and very secure. And even though in my early years, though, of owning my business, I still had insecurities, which I discounted. I didn't charge what I should. You know, a lot of things that stylists are still doing now, I totally get it because I lived in that space. But there, there was a side to me that was more secure and confident in business, Nina, than in personal Nina. And so, uh, you know, the limiting beliefs and, and what I was taught growing up I understand where that comes from because it was very conflicting. I kind of get, as I talked through this before with someone else, I realized that the reason why I have almost two people within me is that I was getting one type, a certain type of information from my mom, which my mom is incredibly strong and super smart and has been through a lot and always would land on her feet. And always taught me to never rely on anyone to depend on myself and that I could be anything I wanted to be and, you know, all the things, right? But then I had my dad who was very uh, okay with living in mediocrity and okay with being complacent and very lazy in a sense and didn't have any ambition and felt like he had reached his peak and that was it. Like his life was what it was and he could do no better. And there was no, no motivation or inspiration from him whatsoever. So I had these two personalities growing up that I think it, it created two personalities within me, to be very honest. It was like a conflicting personality. Like I want to be this one person and I know that I am in business, but I'm so scared emotionally and personally because of the things that I endured and and some trauma and things like that through my life that like I was still a little girl in personal Nina, but in business Nina, I was grown up. Like I was ready to go. Like you could throw anything at me and I could take it. So it was very interesting to me. And I think a lot of people with their relationship with money, because it does stem from your childhood, Mm -hmm. have those beliefs where we, and I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and went to his seminar a few years back and it taught me a lot with the limiting beliefs. You know, what we're taught isn't the end all be all. We have to create new patterns and new behaviors and new habits because the possibilities are truly endless. But when you live in that cycle of mediocrity or just being okay uh, or just doing or just living every day, uh, you know, you think that that's all that you have. The impact that changed me was, of course, my mom was a big foundation, but when I went, when I met my mentors, they changed my life significantly because they taught me and showed me there was another way of life. If I hadn't met them, I have to be very honest and say that I don't think that I would be here, and I don't think my life would have turned out the way that it did because they were uh, self-made, uh, very, very well off, very giving people, very compassionate, kind souls. They did very well for themselves, so they lived this lifestyle that was something that was very attractive to me because I never saw that growing up. And so yeah. they showed me that there was op- there were options. And I think when you meet someone like that's why I think it's so huge, you guys, to get a mentor. Get someone and find someone that you aspire to be like because they may be your ticket to show you that there are other options and the things that you believe are not the truth. You know, you can create your own path. Yeah, I love that. And so like you getting around people, seeing the possibilities for like your life, you never knew what your life could be and the possibilities that like those people showed you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. I love what you said about there being two people because mm-hmm. that resonates with me. And I wonder if that's like a lot of people like that there's sure. like, and even just like, you could even put into different categories of like you, your best self. And then like the scared version of you, because I feel like that's been a game changer for me is like, the incongruency between like what came out of my mouth and what was inside of me. Right. And 
the, the more and more I can like align those two things, the happier and happier I am doing this job, doing this craft, doing this work and in living my life. Because I feel like the thing that I feel like comes up for hairstylists a lot. And like, when I talk to people is like, they're like, I'm just tired of being angry. And mm. I've been kind of connecting that to being like resentment because I feel like resentment is such like a thing that comes up for people and like maybe they haven't made changes they need to make or the scared part of them is like just stay here this is certain Mm -hmm. and I feel like when you were talking earlier and you were saying like I my childhood made me such that like I ended up wanting I got kind of like filling this void and my childhood similar to yours it was like I just wanted certainty so I tend Mm -hmm. to hold on to people Mm -hmm. too much I don't want to change anything because I like I want to keep us together and like, this is certain and it's held me back in my life. And so Mm. everything you're saying, I'm like, I hope people are hearing it because like, I feel like I see myself in your story and I, I can imagine other people Mm. will too. Yeah. And I, and I hope, I hope so. You know, I hope that it kind of sparks something in them. Like people that I've met along the way have sparked something in me. It's like an awakening, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like if you could put the, like, I just had a, my first birthday party ever and, uh, <gasps> for myself and my backyard, it was a yoga birthday party. And I, it was I so amazing. That. Yeah. Because I was like looking around and I was like, oh my gosh, like I have cultivated like these like next level souls to be around. And mm-hmm. my life, I feel like is in accordance to like the people I've surrounded myself with. And for so long, I was around people un- unknown to me were like, kind of like, you know, not really dreamers, not really believers, not really like, oh my gosh, like, what if you did that? Like, yeah, get an RV. Like I have a friend who's going to like do a salon rental and she like wants to live in an RV. Like she's going to call it Sundays to stop living for the weekdays. Or it's just like, like I'm around people that believe like, why the fuck can I do that? And I feel like when I look back, the common thread, I was around people that would be like, I don't like one thing I hear a lot is I don't want to charge more because I don't want to deal with that kind of clientele. And I'm Mm. like, Oh my gosh, like my most generous clients are the bomb shit. That is so not true. And I think that people like in this time maybe have gotten space from some energy vampires or space from people that it's like, I don't feel good when I'm around them. And you're like, I just like, I feel like just like realizing that like the company you keep, like the mentor thing, it's like being around people that are just like, I like to be around people that kind of believe in magic now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's like during this time, they, you know, like, you know, salons are still kind of shutting down, opening up and, you know, people that have like long overdue changes they want to make, like, Mm -hmm. what are some of the kind of the things they should be asking themselves or looking internally to not make the wrong move. Cause I think sometimes you're just not happy and you're like, Oh my God, like I need to make a change. But like, sometimes I think the change can be really small. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so the, the, the smallest changes actually create the biggest impact. And I think Mm. that it's really smart to take inventory uh, within yourself and say, what are the three areas that I'm just not feeling happy and fulfilled? And in those three areas, why am I not happy and fulfilled? Because there are a lot of reasons why we are not feeling happy or we're not feeling um, fulfillment in our life. And it could be that we're running from something. It could be that we're chasing something and that we're just never going to find. It could be that we have expectations that are not realistic. But I also know that life is very short. And you know, as I'm getting older, I'm learning this more and more. And I think that it's important to look at yourself and say, okay, do I really love my job? Am I really happy where I am? Do I really feel like this is it for me? And if I don't, what are the steps? What are the, what's an action plan or the three steps or four steps that I can take to change the habits and the direction and the behavior of what I was doing then to what I'm going to what I'm going to do to get to this next point. It really is kind of mapping it out. It could be just a simple thing that you set boundaries in your business, it could be a simple thing that you stop discounting and you start offering options instead of, you know, caving into your clients when they say, well, you know what, Nina, I can't really afford that full balayage today. And you say, oh, don't worry, Judy, I'll do the full balayage, but I'll only charge you a partial price. It's retraining the habits and the behaviors of saying, no, I'm not going to do that anymore because I know the value that I bring. And it could be that you just set options up for yourself and say, okay, my partial balayage price is this. My, uh, you know, my few foil highlight price is this. My mini balayage is this. And you have all of these prices. You keep them to yourself. You don't share them. And you just start saying, 
oh God, you know what, Judy, I really understand that you can't afford that. Here are some options that we have that will fit better with your budget. Let's go through them. So now you're just putting a small boundary, but that small boundary could make you thousands of dollars a year, but more than the money, because it's not really about that. It's the empowerment that you feel within yourself that you actually did something that served you instead of doing something that serves other people. So I think it's self-assessment. It's creating inventory. It's making a list of maybe make a list of something that you've wanted to do for the longest time, but you never have had time to do and creating an action plan wrapped around that. I think that we stay in places because you, you mentioned before, because we're comfortable and we feel that that's our home. So in order for us to grow, we've got to kind of step outside of that a little bit. So I encourage you to challenge yourself. And it's not like making these big elaborate like moves or, you know, buying cards or, you know, it doesn't have to be big. It could just be, I'm not answering texts or DMs after 8 p.m. at night. It could be something so small. But the more you do the little things, the more empowered you feel within yourself to make big moves. So that would be my advice for that. That's amazing. And I just love that because those little things like that's like, you just told what I've done the last number of years. And I'm like, it has been such momentum in my business and in my life to be like, I make that little change. And then it's like, God, I'm feeling so good. And it's like, I'm going to make that little change. And it's done in in such a small increments that no one actually visually sees a different business. But like, I feel so differently towards my business Mm -hmm. that I agree with you. Like, like realizing that you can say no or set limits with people. And, you know, as you were talking, I was like, oh my God, this is the best segue ever. Because <laughs> you, 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 you've talked about like how, you know, you didn't have a great relationship with money, but from working with you and then also just like learning some of this too, just like on my own time, it's like having an understanding of the numbers can, te- mm-hmm. can be the thing that empowers you to set that limit or to say no. Because I think so many of us don't understand the numbers and don't know how to break things down. And you, you've helped me to understand, like, if you like, even to like, take like what the discounts you've been giving and figure out like in a month, what it's costing you, like, mm-hmm. wow, that's, that's a staggering number. Like, like, can you talk a little bit about the numbers? Because I feel like for me, they give me the, like, when you show me that it's not emotional, it's not this, it's not that it's like, these are what the numbers are. Wow. This is going to help me to set that boundary because that, that vacation I want to take. Oh my gosh. Like if I just charged my actual prices, I could go on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So numbers are something that I feel like a lot of salon owners and stylists are actually scared of and only because they're just not comfortable. There's no college or school for salon owners or stylists to kind of break into this industry and start to understand the actual business side. So that's why most are nervous. And I was nervous too, you know, but I was actually taught from my mentors how to pay attention to numbers, but I was still nervous when I opened up my own salon. Um, Mm -hmm. And the more you avoid it, the more scared and nervous you become. So you almost have to put yourself in front of your numbers and say, okay, These are some benchmarks, and I I talk about this in a lot of my classes or even in some of my posts. These are some of the key benchmarks that you want to pay attention to. It could be retention percentage. It could be your pre-booking percentage. It could be your average ticket, all three drivers of growing your business. If you pay attention to any one of those and you start to say, wow, if I just add on 5 or $10 to my average ticket, I could make thousands more a year. Maybe that's your focus, right? Uh, If you start to pay attention to the retention percentage, which new guest retention should be at least 50%. And that's for, that's for like a a newer stylist. As you, you know, become more of a senior or veteran stylist, it should be upwards of 70, 75%. And new guest retention is one of the areas that we struggle with as an industry. And if you pay attention to that and you say, okay, If I level up my guest experience and I save four clients a month at a $100 average ticket, that's $400 a month in extra revenue. So it's all these little things that you can do to kind of start small and focus on one area, but you should really be paying attention to your top line sales and what's coming in. You should really understand your budgeting. And I have, you know, performance sheets and and indicators and, and budget sheets that talk about this kind of stuff, what you should be spending every single month. You should have an accountant and a bookkeeper, you know, if it's not going to be you, that's really looking at your profit and loss statement every single month. So you can compare what's coming in and what's going out. If you don't pay attention to it, you, you won't be able to grow your business because you're just unaware. And I can say this in all of my years of doing this, almost three and a half years now of coaching with salon owners and hairstylists, 
honestly, it is just having them pay attention to their numbers weekly and daily that allows their business to grow. Just to pay attention to it. Just to look at it every single day. Um, And it's just the mindfulness that makes you like, wow, okay, my goal is to do $2,500 a week in service sales. It's Thursday and I'm at two grand. I need to get my butt in gear because I only have Friday and Saturday to make that $500. Like that's the mindset that you want to have. And I've trained my team when I had my salon to, to do that. And nothing made me happier than having them pull me aside on a Friday and say, Nina, look, I'm already, I'm only $80 away from my goal and I still have tomorrow. Like these are the things that when you start to really pay attention to them, just by looking at them, your numbers will start to grow. And so I think it's stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, Maybe you focus on one area at a time and you really kind of dive in or get someone like a coach like you or me or somebody that you vibe with that could really lay it out in a very simplistic way that doesn't make you nervous anymore. That really makes you feel empowered to actually grow your business. And when you do that, you're going to be like, no, I am not discounting Karen today because I know if I do, number one, I'm going to lose a little bit of my credibility behind the chair, but I'm also going to lose on that vacation home that I've been putting aside for that I want to buy in the next five years. So I love that you said that because it is having a larger goal that you can work toward that will allow you to stop discounting your value behind the chair. Yeah, I I love that. And I feel that when I'm about to make a change, and maybe you can speak to this, I kind of, I make, I like, I get all worked up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop doing glosses complimentary. Okay, those five people I'm going to talk to, I'm going to talk to everyone. But then what I'll do is I'll like, go through the uncomfortableness, I'll like, do it all. And then I'll be like, for five people, I won't do it. Or like, Mm. it's like, I'll make the change, but I won't. I won't a hundred percent commit to it. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say that that's something I really struggle with. And I feel like if I'm struggling with it, it's probably not just me. So do you mind talking a little bit about that? Because like every change I've made, I've had like three to three to 10 stragglers. And it's like, but I love Pam. I know. Oh, but I love <laughs> and it's like, I feel like, like, just like, and it, I, one of my friends was like, I can't believe you struggle with that. Like, I'm like, Oh my God. It never goes away. But like, I think I keep continued to, and I mean, I check in with people that I really trust and I go, am I being dumb if I hold on to five? And she's like, they're like, yeah, you're going to be resentful. I'm like, I always end up resentful. (laughs) So can you speak to that? Like getting just like so close to making the full Monty change and then Mm -hmm. just like holding yourself back, self-sabotaging. Yes. Oh, girl, let me tell you, I lived in that space. That was like my middle name, you know, when I first had my business. And as a stylist, I so get that. And it's change with concession, right? You want to make the change. You want to do all of the things, but you're like, "Mm, if I can make a concession here or there and, or, or change, you know, with boundaries. Um, and I think that it's, you know, I say this often self work, equals self-worth. So the more you continue to work on your internal self, the better you will and the easier it will be for you to say, you know what, Pam, I'm going to raise your prices in the next six weeks by $10. Like you have to feel it within yourself. You have to see the value that you provide. And so it, it is continuous work on self and it is experience too and being in the industry, but it's also having that moment where you're, you got to get tired of just Mm -hmm. discounting people and saying, you know what? I deserve more. And I think that it's committing to the change fully and understanding if Pam doesn't want to pay your prices, that's okay. We can suggest another salon to Pam and send her on her way that may may be more budget-friendly to fit her needs. However, when you... And I also find that if you do this, if you're going to make the changes, and let's just say it's going to be a price increase add value to the guest experience that actually helps cushion the increase. So, Mm. and then even if Pam is like, Hey, I can't afford you. That's okay. You know, you can refer her to another stylist friend or somebody in your neighborhood, but it doesn't mean that you're going to just keep Pam because she can't afford you. That's where the inner strength has to come in and step in and say, no, no, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for everyone. And I think if we, you know, my thing, and I always said this to my team and I said this to my clients, if I do it for one person, I'm going to have to do it for somebody, for everybody. So if I'm going to have a price increase, I'm going to have it for everybody. Cause it's not fair for me to do it for 50 people and have two people that I don't like, I really want it to be fair. So that was like my thing that I would go to, to keep it consistent. Uh, and I think that 
you know, when you, when you really start to commit to these things and you can actually say to Pam, you know what? I totally understand. Here's a referral. You actually feel empowered doing that because now you're coming from a space of saying, oh my God, I'm, you're, you know, you're not thinking like, oh my God, I'm losing clients. What am I going to do? You're coming from the space of saying, okay, Pam's going to go somewhere else, but now I'm making room for Judy who really wants to spend money with me, who really can afford me. And when you add value behind the chair, like we always added value when we had a price increase, whether it would be hot towels, scalp massages, lavender oil, an extra shampoo experience, hand massages, follow-up emails, feedback form, like weed chocolates, we did the whole thing. It cushioned it. You know, you add value, people don't even blink, you know? And if they don't want to stay with you, it has to do with two things, budget, or they just don't see the value in you. They're not your perfect target client and that's okay. You're going yeah. to make room for the people who are your perfect target client. That's what that is. That's what a clear out kind of, you know, that's what it does. It's amazing. I've never heard it described like self-work equals self-worth. And I love that because like that is so true that it has to come from the inside of you. You have to be able to believe that you're worth it and the prices that you're charging. And like knowing, like, you know, that's why looking around at what everyone else is doing, it never gives you that confidence to do what they're doing because it's mm-hmm. not coming from the inside. Sure. And you can spend a lot of time on Instagram looking at people's prices. Oh, I mean, I've never done it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, so what do you think about, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about how I, I believe that there's kind of like this new mentality of like, there is no ceiling to what stylists can do and like, you know, they can, you know, like you can just like sky's the limit with mm-hmm. what you do and how you grow your business. And then I feel like there's this other group of people that are, it's kind of like, you know, like old school salon world, like, you know, like, you know, like the, the people that are like, I don't want to deal with that, that kind of clientele. Cause they'd be difficult. And just like the limiting beliefs, like, mm-hmm. what do you think that's about? Like how, like, you know, there's like these people that it's like, oh my gosh, you can charge whatever you want for a haircut. And then I feel like there is this whole like subsection of where I feel like, why does it seem like all haircuts have stayed at $90 forever? Mm-hmm. Like what's, what, what can you tell me about that? <laughs> so I think, you know, it, it all depends on who you're around. It all depends on who you've been trained by. It all depends on your environment at home, you know, your, your yeah. belief system. You know, there's a lot of um, components that go into uh, you know, people who are charging and upping their prices and charging a premier price, uh, you know, increasing prices every year, you know, doing all the things. And then we have the other people that are feeling maybe a little insecure and they're feeling like, mm, I don't want to work with that clientele because they may be particular. But when you say that, I hear, I don't want to work with that clientele because I feel insecure that I'm not going to be able to please them. Like that's what I hear when you're yeah. saying that. There's, there's something deeper behind it. And so that's my, my goal and job is to, and I always fight for the underdog because I, I feel like I was one, mm-hmm. you know, kind of growing up. And so I always want to fight for the underdog hairstylist, the underdog salon owner that maybe hasn't had the opportunity or the chance for someone uh, like a mentor to kind of step in and show them the way. And so I think that those people who are feeling insecure and not charging and not having increases and, you know, making um, excuses about it really can start to look a- look around them and see who they're spending their most time with. Uh, look at, you know, their partner, significant other, and see if they're encouraging or, and empowering them. Uh, you know, look around the the leader and team team. Uh, team leader, salon owner, if you're a commission and see what kind of uh, encouragement you're getting throughout the day. Look at the, the stylist that you're working with. Isn't it, isn't it an environment that you can thrive and grow in? You know, it's kind of taking inventory again and saying, okay, is it really that I don't want to work with that type of clientele because I just don't want to deal with it? Or is it just that I feel insecure enough so I'm going to steer clear? The only yeah. way that you can grow and get to the other side is if you step out of that comfort zone that you're in and your emotional home and push yourself beyond limits. Because if you stay where you are, nothing ever is going to change for you. And so it is making mistakes. It is having failure. It is pushing yourself beyond belief. And it is making those small, tiny changes, little boundaries, um, not taking texts after 8 PM, whatever it is. Um, 
not doing discounts anymore. It's making those small changes and knowing that you deserve to. You know, there's something that always comes up and I hear a lot of stylists talk about it and they're like, charge your worth, charge your worth, charge your worth. And I I stopped saying that years ago because it isn't about charging your worth because if you don't know what you're worth, you're not Mm -hmm. going to charge it. It's all about charging your value, you know, charging what your value is, but you have to understand what your value is first. So if I looked at a new a hairstylist who was a year, two years in and wasn't confident and didn't have the training or wasn't mentored um, and had a, a, you know, a little bit of a rough upbringing and kind of came from some, uh, you know, trauma or trouble there. If I say to her, Hey Kelly, you know what? I just charge your worth, man, charge your worth. She's going to undercharge herself because she doesn't feel that she's worthy. Do you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And so we empower people and teach them to see their value then they can charge their value. Then they'll see their worth and they're going to be like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not discounting anymore. I am going to have a price increase. And if Pam can't show up, that's okay. You know, yeah. so I think we need to change the narrative a little bit and how we're thinking and feeling. And we have to surround ourselves with people who we aspire to be. That's one of the yeah. most important things. And to be very honest, when I would train my team, I had a very rigorous and different training program. Uh, it was very personal. when I And I started training them after 90 days, but we would have one-on-one coaching sessions sometimes every week in the beginning. And it was, tell me about your personal core story. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about what you went through. Like this kind of training. And this is wow. why I was very particular about who I worked with because I wanted to make sure that they would put in the work. And we would sit and they would read their story and we would cry and it would give me a window into who they were and how they were going to function behind the chair. But then my job was to be able to coach them through it, to allow them to see their value and to see their worth so they wouldn't start discounting. You know, you have to start from a, build a foundation with them. And, you know, we would do post-it notes and I would have them put them on their walls and their ceilings. And, you know, we would do these weird things and, you know, some people really loved it and they thrived and they became a part of my brand and business. And some people were like, what? the actual hell is happening here. Like, this is definitely not for me. Um, and you know, and they, they wouldn't last long, you know, because I wasn't going to change who I was as an owner and as a leader, you were going to conform to how I wanted to grow my business or just didn't work. And so I think people really have to start to take inventory, self-assess and really feel like they deserve greatness and start making the steps to greatness because you can do it. Look, if I can do it and you can do it, Everybody listening here can do it too. And it's just about taking action. God, that's amazing. I love what you said because I don't think that this industry, like, I feel like I've gotten like a lot better. Like I don't do as many clients. I'm more into hairstylists now and Mm -hmm. I'm like in love with the heart of a hairstylist. But I feel like what you're saying is so true. Like, I don't think people see their like see their value. Like Mm -hmm. there's, and I don't, and I think it starts when you're so young doing it and then you get to this like, you get to be an all-star and you don't even know it. And I Mm -hmm. I just wish I could like show people, like hold up a mirror to people. I wish I could do it to my younger self and be like, look at you. You're a badass. Like you're amazing. Technically the way you showed up for her today, Sharon was having a really hard day and you helped her get better. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I just think it's such second nature and it becomes just such like, I don't want to say autopilot because I think people are really present when they're with people. They're on autopilot in their own lives. Right. It's a whole nother podcast. But like, it's like, oh my gosh, I wish people could see like how special they are and Mm -hmm. every single hairstylist. And then we could move the needle up in this whole industry because what we do is so special. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what it is? And I've really done a lot of digging and research on this because I often think about this, but as hairstylists, as owners, we are in a service based business and, you know, we are here to serve other people. And when you are in a service based business, typically you forget to serve yourself. Yes. And it comes from it comes from childhood, it comes from the way we're raised, it comes from environment and the things that we were taught. But it also comes from the fact that serving others and taking care of others relieves you from the self relieves you from your own self and having to take care of your own pain. So it's very easy for us to dote on others and love on Sharon and Karen and Pam and all of the things because when they turn around and they've had a bad day and they love their hair and their makeup and they feel so beautiful, that helps us in a way where it's like, okay, 
that makes me feel really, really good. So I don't have to deal with my shit today. Right. And we get all this pattern of doing for others where we forget to take care of ourselves. And there's a quote out there and I, I can't remember it verbatim, but it said, it's something like the people who are most uh, willing to help others and serve others are often the ones that most need the most help. And I read that <laughs> and I thought, and I was like, shit, like th- this is for me because I was the typical, I will do anything for my team. I will do anything for my guests. I will do anything for my family members. But when it comes to me, I'm not going to do anything. And I put all of my time and energy into serving others because I was a good runner of my own problems until it got to a point where I was in my thirties, where I was like, this is not working anymore. And I'm just, this stuff is just building and building and building. And I think that it's a good cover up. Serving others is a good cover up for us not working on our own stuff because it sucks and it's painful. And I just want you guys to realize that you deserve to take care of yourself too. You deserve the level of treatment that you give your guests. You deserve to work on your own pain and work through your own struggle so you could be the absolute best mom, dad, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, and stylist. And the more you run, the harder it becomes. So the more you serve and dive in, and not that you can't do both because you can, you can still serve yourself and serve others. But I think why we're talking about this cycle and why it happens so prominently in our business is because it's, it's easy for us to serve others because we just, we don't want to serve ourselves and take care of ourselves and deal with our own struggle. I don't know if you can relate to that, but that quote like hit me hard. I mean, that is literally like, I feel like you hit the nail on the head for like what happened to me. And I feel like that's part of why, like I have this podcast and the passion behind everything that I do is I'm like, holy shit, I distracted myself Mm -hmm. and I serve so many other people. And it's like the way you said that I was like, oh my God, like, I feel like that is this industry's fatal flaw. Mm -hmm. Like if there's one that I had to like pick out, I would say what you just described is the kiss of death that so many of us do under the guise of being good people. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's nothing is better than making someone else feel better. And we get conditioned to make other people feel better that we're just like, I'm going to just get my high and I'm going to just get my fulfillment from that. So yes, we I was going to say it's a, yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, I was like, it's a drug. Like, yeah. I took that drug for a really long time and yeah. I felt, and it was, it's, it was so much more about me than it was the people I was helping because of what it made me feel. Mm. Mm. Oh my God. And you know what? I can so relate to that because when I sold my salon in 2016 and started my consulting business, I went through a really rough time. That was probably one of the worst years for me um, because I could no longer distract I no yeah. longer had 16 members that I loved and adored that I had to tend to and be responsible for every day. They're like my children. They still are. Um, but from a distance, right? I no longer had to worry about numbers and money and all of the things. So that was a distraction. I no longer had to serve my guests because I stopped doing hair the year before. And now I sold my business. And that, wow, that I can tell you right now, that was the hitting of the wall for me. And then also, um, I lost my identity a little bit because my business and my whole life was surrounded by this 11-year business that I built from the bottom. And then I went on this retreat with my husband to the Miraval Resort and Spa in Arizona for my 40th birthday. And I I don't know if you ever heard of um, horse. No, I mean, don't tell me you did the horse therapy. Is that where this is going? Oh my God. Yeah. Did you know about it? I know about it. I'm dying to do it. Tell us. (gasps) Oh my God. So, okay, guys. So I, if you... First of all, check out Miraval. It's an amazing resort and spa. But if you're going to go to Miraval, you have to see Wyatt and do the horse therapy. So this is so crazy. I've had this on my bucket list for years. And so finally, my husband took me on my 40th birthday to celebrate and also treat me with this horse therapy. Well, let me tell you, that was the gift that just kept on giving in ways that I did not want it to give. Um, because that was the year I sold my salon. And um, I think it was the I think it was that year, or maybe it was a year prior. It wasn't too long after, but the horse therapy 
really opened up a lot of wounds for me that I was running from. And so Mm. go to horse therapy. You're in a group of 10. There were 10 couples. You don't know these people. You go in this stable outside. You meet Wyatt, who is the facilitator, who is a recovering addict. I love him, love him, read his book. And you have to go up to the horse with your significant other. And Wyatt tells you about yourself before you even get started. And then you're supposed to go lift this horse's leg. Okay. And so you're like, what is happening? We went last. We watched everybody go and hearing everybody's story. I just was, I was an emotional wreck. I could feel it right now as I'm telling you because their stories were so painful. And when I walked up to Wyatt, he looked at me and he said, you're not crying because of their pain. You're crying because of your own. And I was like, oh shit, here we go. (laughs) And I looked at my husband and my husband started crying. And my, listen, my husband is not a crier. I think that's the second time I've almost seen him ever cry. And Wyatt looked at me and he said, I want you to tell me about your abuse. And I was like, what the hell? Like who told him? Mm -hmm. And I'm standing in front of all of these people, these, you know, eight people that I don't know. And now I have to share my story that I never even told my family. Mm -hmm. And so he pulls this stuff out of you. And I said, okay, if we're going to talk about it, which one do you want to talk about? And you know, he said, it's okay because it happened to me too. And I just lost it. Like I just broke down and I was like, oh my God, like for him to just be that vulnerable and tell me that mm-hmm. made me comfortable. Yeah. And so I told my story and he said to me, he said, I want you to look at me right now. I want you to understand that the path that you're on is to heal other people. And he said, I don't know what industry you're in. I don't know what you do, but whatever you do, I need you to share your story so you can help heal other people. And that was a life-changing moment for me because I thought, wow, this is not only going to impact my life, but it's going to impact other people's lives too. And so uh, I took that seriously. And I really truly feel that because of the things that I've been through, and listen, there are so many people who have been through so much pain too. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the people that follow me and the people that, um, you know, enjoy my page have been through some really deep shit because Mm -hmm. those are the people that connect with me because they can sense it through my posts. And so I think that, um, that changed me. I, I went through a really, really dark time, after that, uh, I, oh my God, I, it was like three months of like spiraling and I was still showing up on Instagram and Facebook and doing my lives and no one knew what the hell was going on, but inside I was broken and it had brought up all of these things from my childhood that I now had a face that I could no longer run from. And I went into a really deep, dark place and for about three months, I didn't want to get out of bed. I I didn't know how I was going to function. And one day and I have a therapist, you know, I've been in therapy yeah. since 21 years old. So I was reaching out to her, but she was on vacation. I'm like, who the hell goes on vacation in July? <laughs> Nancy, where are you? Um, and I really needed her. I needed to talk to her. And finally I hit a rock bottom and I looked at my husband. We went out to go get pizza one night and I looked at my husband and I said, I, I think I need to check myself into a place. And he's like, what? I, I said, I need help. Like I, I need to get some mental stability here. I said, because I, I can't live in this space anymore. And he's like, well, what, what kind of place are you? I'm like, I don't know, like a, like a facility that somebody can walk me through the process of healing because I don't know how to do this. The good thing about me is that I want to heal. If you tell me what I have to do, I'll do it. But I didn't know how to start digging up all this stuff from my childhood and I couldn't find my therapist and I was really broken. But once I said that to him, honestly, I felt like a weight was lifted and I got in touch with my therapist a few days later and we had a couple sessions and she walked me through the process and I I had to do some things and journaling and all of that. And she really helped me get through it. And I was able to come back from that, but all from the damn horse therapy. So let me tell you this, if you're ongoing, make sure that you are prepared to open Pandora's box because you will not leave there at the same person that you were when you walked in be ready. Yeah. It's serious. It is probably one of the hardest, but, but one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my life. That's so wild. Yeah. You're not the first person to talk about it. And, 
not on the podcast, but I've heard about this horse therapy Mm -hmm. and it's crazy. I say a lot, but a lot of times we like, I don't feel like things happen or things break down in our lives till we're strong enough to like sit with them and be with them. And I feel like you, you know, the amount of strength it took to carry all that stuff with you all the time, but it's like, you weren't ready to to deal with it till you were. And it sounds like when you were ready, you just said like, okay, I'm ready. This is going to be messy. I need help. And let's, let's go through the rubble of my life. And Mm -hmm. I feel like on the other side of that, you know, it's like, like what you were saying before, it's like, there's a healthier way to show up for people once that stuff's been excavated and Mm -hmm. healed. Because then what I find is like my, my favorite clients sometimes now are people I'm meeting today where I'm able to meet them from a really compassionate place, Mm -hmm. but I don't meet them from such a self-sacrificing place. Like I, I have a lot of clients I've had since I was 19 and I'm 33 now. And like the work that I've done on myself, like I sometimes just find it nice to meet new people because I get to just meet them with this like sense of self that I didn't mm-hmm. have when I met other people. Absolutely. I love that. Love that. Yeah. So where can people find you? Because I, I know you've got programs that help salon owners, programs that help commission stylists, independents, and I feel like we all need you. So where can people <laughs> get enrolled in everything that you're doing? So I live on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram and it's just my name. So Nina Tulio, and I will always respond to your DMs. I'm very active on Instagram. So if you need anything, if you need help, if you just have a question, always slide into my DMs because I will respond. You can check out my website at oneandagency.com. It's the number oneandagency.com. And I have, yes, so I have my five-week course called Make That Money for Sweet Owners and Renters. It's a a progressive five-week course and it's all about pricing, price increases, budgeting, and how to make more money. Um, That new session actually will roll out in September. And then I'm working on my Synergy program, which is for my commission salon owners. It's actually in pre-sale now, but that's an eight-week course just for sweet for um, I'm sorry, for my commission salon owners. uh, And class starts August 18th. And that is literally start to finish. Everything from hiring to accountability to fear and belief systems, because I always start off with that, to uh, you know your budgeting and price per minute and all of that stuff too. Um, so yeah, and there are a lot of free resources too. You can download from my website. Um, you know, once you start to kind of meander, I have free classes and stuff on there as well. But I think it's most important to continue to invest in yourself and believe that you deserve the investment. You know, keep keep investing in you and keep leveling up and keep learning about yourself uh, and spending time with yourself. You know, that's, that's the most important thing that I feel like I learned the most when I was in quiet with myself. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's very easy for us to compare and, you know, we have to really start to do what makes us happy, you know, for yourself. So I have all of that stuff anyway on my website and on my Instagram. Please check me out. And if you need anything at all, of course, I'm always here to help you and guide you along the way. That's amazing. I think you're amazing. And the only thing left I have left to do is go to horse therapy now. Yes. yes. You have to go. And if you go, you have to tell me about it because it will, it will change you. It will change your life for sure. Like put it on your bucket list. Oh my God, I will. Thank you again for taking the time and being so real. Of course, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. I adore you. Thank you.